But we're also going to incorporate a lot of innovation into okay. the curriculum as well, so that it's not so much work, but it's at least balanced with understanding how technology impacts. AI has become a very big uh, part of healthcare, at least on how we're approaching things. So I think that we're going to hopefully attract students that want to take care of patients to the best of their ability, but also keep up to date with how technology is advancing, how we deliver healthcare. Welcome to the Be Epic podcast, brought to you by the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. I'm your host, Brent Williams. Together, we'll explore the dynamic landscape of business and uncover the strategies, insights, and stories that drive business today. Today, I have with me Dr. Sharmila Makija, and Sharmila is the founding dean and CEO of the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine. Welcome. Thank you so much, Brent. We're so happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you in Northwest <laughs> Arkansas and are excited uh, about what you're leading and can't wait to talk a little bit more. Yeah. So, happy to talk about it. <laughs> well, so starting a medical school mm -hmm. from the ground up, what an opportunity. It is. It's really, it's one, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. You don't often find that this kind of an opportunity. You might see new medical schools popping up, but usually you have a university that's attached or a hospital, okay. uh, and we don't have either one. So really we're starting it fully from scratch. Well, uh, excited to see what all you're doing. I know there's wonderful things happening there that we'll dig into, but maybe before we do, we should Dig into your background just sure. a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. My mom still lives there. Um, there's three of us and the uh, three kids in the family. Um, both my parents were teachers. My dad was a college chemistry professor. Really? Chemistry, yeah. What university? He was at Alabama State University. Okay, he yeah. trained, he got his PhD at Indiana University. Okay. And that was actually the first place mom lived was in Bloomington, Indiana after they got married. So so uh, I have fond memories of, of Indiana University. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up watching Bobby Knight play basketball. Okay. <laughs> it's a whole yeah, other That's topic. a whole new story. Yes, right? that's right. That's, that's right. right. And mom is a retired um, high school biology teacher. Oh, wow. So family of teachers, yeah. education was always an important part. I see that science was clearly yeah. uh, yes. in the making for you. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was a, a great upbringing. My, uh, both my parents made sure that whenever we were you know, uh, sitting down for dinner, we sat as a family and we talked about what we learned for the day and how did we make things better for someone else. So I just grew up with, you know, knowing we're going to be asked that question and then mm -hmm. fast forward, that's how I approach things with my own teams. Is, well, is, was the answer to that question about how you're going to impact others, was that what led you toward medicine? You know, I, I knew early on uh, that I was I wanted to be a doctor. My, I think it was about nine when I declared that to my parents. Okay. And uh, my mom's dad was a doctor, and her brother is a doctor. But I really wanted to go spend time with my grandparents that were in India to really solidify if this is what I wanted to do. And you know, I I went to India by myself on a Pan Am flight and spent the summer with my grandparents and. Uh, I would go with him, carry his doctor's bag, and go with him to see patients. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I, you know, a lot of the patients were lined up in the hallways, and they would bring their own child or grandson or granddaughter that spoke English. And so I'd speak to them and find out what the problem was and report it to my grandfather. And 
And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about maybe your journey getting there, kind of yeah. through medical school yes. and then your chosen specialty. Yes, yes. So, you know, once I knew that that's what I really wanted to do, I volunteered at the hospital. I really wanted to get exposed to everything there was uh, as to what a patient endured. I don't know, early on, I just mm -hmm. wanted to understand that. Not that, you know, I questioned things. It was just more, I was curious. Um, and so I volunteered and then I worked at some of my my parents' friends' offices and the outpatient offices and I did some of the billing and oh, wow. front desk things. And I think I was just always either curious or bored. So I always wanted to learn something. <laughs> I different. would have motivated actually to that list. <laughs> oh no, but you're too kind, but I really enjoyed it. And so once I decided I wanted to do that, um, and I really enjoyed it, I, you know, went to college. I uh, came back after going to Cornell uh, up in Ithaca. I came back to UAB for med school. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I really thought I was going to do either pediatrics or internal medicine mm -hmm. because that's all I was exposed to. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something I always tell my, my our own faculty and students. The more you're exposed to things, it really broadens your your insights as to what resonates with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I back then you had to type out applications for, for residency programs. And I thought, well, I have OBGYN as my last rotation, but surely I, I don't think I'm going to want to stay up all night delivering babies. I think it's cool, but I don't want to do that. Um, and so I sent out all my applications for internal medicine, thought I would probably do cardiology or GI. Mm -hmm. And so I did the rotation on OBGYN and I enjoyed it, but I thought, okay, not enough to change anything. And then I did the GYN section, which was the surgery. And I said, yeah. okay, I, I liked it, but not enough. And then one of my classmates was supposed to do the G1 oncology rotation okay. and he got sick. So they asked me to fill in for him. Hmm. And G1 oncology is a doctor that does both the surgery for cancer mm -hmm. for women, but also gives chemotherapy. So you take care of the person the whole time. Okay. So I did that, and on the first day, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to redo my application. It really? just clicked. Really? And I loved the doctors I worked with. I wanted to be like them. I loved the patients. Mm -hmm. Even though it seems to be very sad and it's cancer, they were very grateful, and we just worked as a team. So I really, it clicked with me. Redid all the applications, and that's what set me onto the path of doing OBGYN, and then ultimately my fellowship in G1 Oncology at Sloan Kettering. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I, I see. You know, one of the things striking to me mm -hmm. in that is I, I could see when you were talking about it, your the the interest and maybe joy and satisfaction in taking care of that patient throughout that whole process. That's exactly right. I didn't want my personality is to not do one piece and then we're gone. Um, and everybody's personality is different, not to say it's wrong if you feel that way. For me, I really wanted to be engaged with the family that met with the husbands. I probably talked more to the husbands than even the mm -hmm. patients themselves because they would call saying, she's not able to eat. How can I help her? So I really learned how to help that family unit get through the, the whole, you know, impact of having a diagnosis of cancer. Yeah, so early on, um, mm -hmm. you were interested in the whole person. That's exactly right. And, you know, so... I see where you're going. Yeah, <laughs> so now uh, now you find yourself yeah. leading the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine. Yes. Um, 
tell us a little bit about one about the emerging medical school and, yes. and what you're focused on. Yes. So we are, you know, what what brought me here was the fact that we're looking at medicine the way I feel like I was trained and and practice. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at how do we take care of the whole person, not just their illness, but how do we even look at possibly preventing that illness? So this school is really utilizing a traditional curriculum, mm -hmm. uh, but we're enhancing it with whole health principles. And because we're sitting on a world, you know, class museum ground, uh, how do we infuse the arts and humanities into yeah. this? But it's that whole person approach um, looking at their mental well-being, the social well-being, you know, as much as we can incorporate early on on how to diagnose it and how to address it, I think is very helpful for students to have that skill set. And this will be one of a kind? You know, we like to say we're one of a kind. I think there are many schools that use parts of it. Mm -hmm. I think what we're doing differently is we're doing it immediately incorporating it into the curriculum. Okay. So I, I'm always cautious to say one of a kind, but probably. Okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. Yes. Fair yes, enough. Yes. Well, you know, in addition to the School of Medicine, there's also the whole Institute. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you alluded to Crystal Bridges, uh, yeah. the world-class art museum. Yes. That will be connected to on the same grounds. Yes. How, how do all those fit in yeah. together? So the Whole Health Institute is a completely separate um, uh, organization. We work complementary to each other, but the Whole Health Institute is really focused on advocacy, public policy, healthcare delivery systems. So how does, you know, changing from a fee-for-service type model to a value-based care model where you're looking at the outcomes um, and how you're reimbursed for that. And we want to take some of those principles and put it into the curriculum, teach our students, teach our faculty. And then as we go out onto the healthcare delivery system with hospital partners, how do we incorporate that in real time? So we're separate but complementary and work very closely together with them. Okay. And and what was striking about that is that what the Whole Health Institute learns, I'm assuming you can bring back yes. into the school all the time. Absolutely. And I think that's where we want that bridge to happen in real time as much as we can, because uh, I think it's important to keep but what we want is for the school to keep in touch with what things are happening or evolving mm -hmm. and apply them as quickly as we can. So I even imagine the curriculum we have now will evolve yeah. because we want to be able to, you know, within reason mm -hmm. uh, to incorporate those learnings because um, it just helps a uh, soon-to-be physician learn those skill sets to apply. Yeah, and, and I assume both uh, the School of Medicine and the Health Institute are able to connect into various partners, healthcare system partners? Yeah, and we're exploring all that right yeah. now. We're looking at how we work with our local hospital systems because um, I think that's probably the most important piece. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, we want to build up our, pay, our our physician population in the region. I think that's so needed. So working with hospital partners is going to be key for that. And, and one of the, I guess, I think stated goals is mm -hmm. that that this school will create more physicians that will hopefully stay in Northwest Arkansas or Arkansas. That's right. And 
what we know is that when a physician, when a student graduates from med school and goes to, for a residency program, which is the next day, um, next step with training in that particular field, they tend to stay in that region. Mm. And so our goal is to increase residency slots locally. Um, you know, we're working together with our partners because it only helps the whole state. So increasing those residency slots will likely retain people to stay here and work. And we need hospital systems for them to work at. So I think that as we look at the students that we are graduating, we gotta look forward as to where they're gonna work. Yeah, yeah. well, as, as, you're, as you're starting to, and I know you're a little ways away from recruiting yeah. students, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, what kind of student do you think is gonna choose the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine? You know, I think, um, well, we, we are assuming we're going to attract a lot of students that are interested in looking at this whole person approach. Mm -hmm. But we're also going to incorporate a lot of innovation into okay. the curriculum as well. We're, we're, again, exploring how to develop this curriculum um, so that it's not so much work, but it's at least balanced with understanding how technology impacts. AI has mm -hmm. become a very big uh, part of healthcare, at least on how we're approaching things. So I think that we're going to hopefully attract students that want to take care of patients to the best of their ability, but also keep up to date with how technology is advancing, how we deliver healthcare. And technology, artificial intelligence particularly, has a tremendous opportunity to have a big positive impact in yes. healthcare. Yes, it does. I think we're still learning how that really looks because you can have almost sometimes too much information and how do you process it. But I think that embracing the changes and proactively looking at how we can incorporate that, whether it's the curriculum or in the healthcare delivery system, I think that's going to be key um, on, on making us actually a little bit different. Yeah, well, just the ability, one, I guess the notion that you're going to be constantly on the outlook for what's changing, yeah. bringing that in, in as real time as possible. Yes. And, and yes. I know that you have to have a standard curriculum, but you're going to be able to enhance it in these ways. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, and I always say within reason, because we can be very aspirational, put a lot of things, but we also have to make it doable mm -hmm. um, and make it so that we are getting feedback from the students as well. What's working, what's not. Hey, what are we missing um, so we really want this to be, a, you know, a very interactive type of curriculum with input um, that just keeps on top of, of the current state. Yeah. Well, I know that, you know, I think I've heard you say, um, and this is an MD degree that's enhanced by whole health. And yeah. there's core things that yes. are involved in an MD degree, right? And yes. there's accreditation. So I assume you're working through all of those. Things. Yes. In fact, we sent in our big um, set of paperwork uh, back in July for the, um, the program accreditation, which is called LCME. And they are now going to be reviewing our paperwork in October. And we will soon find out when our site visit is, which okay. will be anywhere from four to six months after they decide. Okay. So that will be the first, we, we, we consider this the first hurdle. This will be the next hurdle of getting through that. And once we get preliminary accreditation, then we'll be able to recruit students. So we're, we're predicting that a year from now, if all goes well, we'll be able to start the recruitment for students to start in the fall of 2025. Well, congratulations on that. 
hurdle. And oh, that is a big hurdle. It's a big hurdle. Uh, yes. To, and the team, I have to say, you know, I'm coming here to speak on behalf of the team. I just want to say, because the team is really quite spectacular that just working very hard, as you can imagine, it's a startup mode feel. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of work. Well, it is, but uh, I know we'll be worth it. I know we'll have a huge impact. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of your the students that will come, um, you know, I heard you say something. You were speaking not too long ago, mm -hmm. and I heard you say something that caught my attention, is that you were going to focus some on um, how those healthcare professionals will take care of themselves. Yes, yes. Process. So we have, we are looking at incorporating self-care coaching or self-coaching for self-care. And again, working with the whole health Institute on developing that model, we want the students to be able to know how to take care of themselves. You know, burnout is a big issue in many fields, uh, especially in healthcare. And we feel very strongly that equipping the students with certain skill sets to be able to take care of themselves so that they can take care of others is really the way to look at things. Um, so that's going to be a very important piece of this is not only just the teaching of, you know, the information, but learning how to take care of themselves. Did, did you, did you see a marked difference post COVID versus pre COVID and burnout and some of these? Issues? Oh yes. And I think, you know, what I saw, and I was up in New York uh, when we were first hit and just developing new models of care, right? Doing a lot of things by telemedicine. What we saw were that all the healthcare professionals from the nurses to the doctors to the support teams really stepped up and really came into play to help take care of very sick patients, but at a cost. You know, a lot of, they were already working very hard and now we, you know, doubled the amount of work basically uh, under duress. I mean, everybody was nervous about contracting COVID. We didn't know what to expect, but we did see once we started to, the pandemic started to slow down and resolve, I think it all caught up and people were, the, all the professionals were really exhausted and really thought, hey, you know, life is short. How do I do things better? And how do I take care of myself? Mm -hmm. So that's where burnout has become a big topic. And it does come down to, do we have the skill sets, but do we also have the support services to, to help the professionals get through something like any kind of emotional type of um, distress mm -hmm. from a situation, um, mental, social well-being, Things like that. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't think we've talked yet about, we've mentioned being on the grounds of Crystal Bridges. And mm -hmm. if if you're listening and haven't been there, one, you should go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but two, when if you've been there or if you uh, end up there at some point, you'll just notice the striking beauty yes. all around. Yeah. And, and your facilities will be nestled throughout yes. that. Yes. We'll be within walking, you know, trail distance from from the museum. Um, and we feel very important that because we have the the privilege of being on the same grounds, we want to incorporate the arts to how we, you know, we're exploring how that looks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on a simple scale, if you even go look at a piece of art, you and I might be seeing the same piece of art, but we, see something different. Mm -hmm. So just even honing in on our skills of how we look at things, how we diagnose things, 
how we communicate what we're seeing, I think will only help when we're looking at patients that are ill. And you again, two doctors are going to look at it very differently. But the more we can look at things to pick up on subtleties, mm -hmm. I think will only enhance the patient physician, provider relationship. Such an interesting Yes, analogy. yes. Yeah. Well, what about nature? I think I think that will be incorporated yes. throughout the building. Yes, exactly. So the building itself was designed by Polk, uh, Stanley Wilcox, mm -hmm. um, and they really did a beautiful job of looking at even using um, natural materials that are, are, are from uh, Arkansas mm -hmm. to build the building. And it's, we wanted it to be a part of the community and the nature piece. We didn't want it to be just standing up there very, very distinct. Um, we, we wanted it to be so that it was inviting to everyone. So there will be a community pond, a reflection pool. You can even walk up to the very top of the roof because there will be a, a rooftop uh, garden um, amphitheaters. So we wanted our students to be able to also learn in a very natural environment, mm -hmm. but we also wanted our community to be able to come and not be afraid of it. We wanted it to be very inviting. Um, and there are studies that show when you are studying amongst nature, or you're taking walks and things like that, it improves the way you learn. So I think it was done in a very mindful way. Uh, of course, from our our incredible founder, Alice Walton, really felt this was important to have. And so um, it's really quite spectacular. Yeah, well, I know it will be absolutely beautiful. Yes, and yes. It will be quite unique in itself just yes. for a medical school, I guess, to be incorporated yes. not only in nature, but yes, it's I'm, I'm sure there's not another one that's right next to a, a museum. That's right. Yeah. Not that I've seen. Um, and, and that will have some of the artwork from the museum as well in, in the area. So I think it's going to be, the building itself will be really kind of fun. And inside the building, we'll have all the state-of-the-art technology simulation centers um, and anatomy labs that are really more cutting edge. Uh, I think it's really going to be a quite a spectacular learning environment inside and outside. You know, when we were talking about you know, your purpose and the why of creating the medical school and a significant part of that purpose being that we would create more physicians that would stay in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I think there's other opportunities for impact. And I mean, yeah. we were talking That's before, right. That's right. lots of ways for this, for the School of Medicine, Whole Health Institute right. to positively impact Arkansas. That's right. And, you know, our mission is to bridge health for everyone. And so we really, we're looking at, if, if, if we even just get to the, to the data, uh, Arkansas is ranked 48 out of 50 when, it look, when we look at health outcomes, 50 out of 50 for maternal health. And um, when we look at that, that's really the driving force to how we create our curriculum, how we work with Whole Health Institute. We really want to impact patient outcomes. And in order to do that, we have to work together and we have to not compete against each other, but really work at enhancing how do we develop a care delivery system that delivers on health outcomes for a community um, rather than just volume based, looking at how many patients you see, are we impacting the health of a community? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you know, I noticed something that I think is a little bit unusual mm -hmm. in your background. Uh, not, you know, um, I mean, you find it, but you don't find it all that often. So you're a physician with an MBA. Yeah, um, yeah. And of course, being the dean of a business yeah, school, that yeah. caught my attention. Sure, sure. Um, you know, so you were already practicing. I think you were practicing at Emory, and you yeah. chose to get an MBA. Yes. Um, why Why did you make that choice? You know, it's funny. My whole career, I really focused on translational research, and I was very happy with the fact that I tried to understand both languages, the basic science and the clinicians, and I always was trying to bridge that understanding. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to Emory to be a division chief in GYN Oncology, and it was 2008, and the financial crisis happened, right? And then I was approached by the team saying, hey, you know, the endowment's cut in half because I was brought in to help build up the cancer program. Um, and I said, well, how am I supposed to do this with half the money? And I realized I didn't understand their language. They didn't understand my language. And I thought, well, let me just go next door and see if I can, you know, maybe just take an accounting class and then they convince me why don't you do a business degree which is not easy to do regardless uh but it was i loved it i loved every minute of it because i thought the teachers were just incredible and what i quickly learned is that as much as i thought finance and accounting was the key the key languages i had an incredible professor who was a professor of organizational behavior and it just clicked with me because in medicine, we think we work on teams and we sort of work on teams, but to make impactful changes, you have to have a different team dynamic where the lead professor or the lead clinician isn't necessarily the one who knows the most amount of information or what should be done. And so that really changed things for me in learning how we design our teams and how we work together, how we have to help bring the teams up to another level. Um, and that was really something that was unexpected. I didn't think that's what I would learn yeah. from, from business school, but it really, it's carried me throughout. And that's how I mentor everyone who thinks they just need those three letters to get to the next level. I always caution them, tell me what you want to learn from this and gain from it. Forget about the degree, but what do you really want to learn? Um, and that I think changed really the direction of my career because Soon after that, I was asked to come look at the chair position at Louisville, where I'd been a resident, and yeah. fast forward, here we are. So Now you are leading an organization. Right, right, right. You know, and I've seen you already start to put that into practice as you're building your team. Mm -hmm. You reached out to us about yes. how you're going to, um, how we can help with team and leadership yes. skills. Um, Absolutely. You know, and maybe I'll ask you as, as you're building out a team and recruiting a team, recruiting mm -hmm. faculty, um, what is, how do you characterize your own leadership style? You know, I, I've had all those tests done yeah. and trying to confirm who I think I am. And I, I think I, I am a collaborative type leader um, and I have confirmation that I am. You have the paper. <laughs> I have the paper. But, you know, I think in any type of leadership role, you have to be able to go in and out different styles depending on the situation. So I, I am pretty good about being observant and seeing how, again, we can be saying the same thing, but everybody's going to take in what they want or they can absorb. So you have to be able to communicate differently to different groups, um, even to each individual. So I do I do think I'm able to pivot, not 
perfect. I'm not the best at it, but I'm always trying to learn how to be better at making sure what I'm saying is being understood. Are we working together? So I do flip in and out of yeah. different styles sometimes. It's an <laughs> agile style of leadership. Yeah. And I'm sure you're you're in startup mode, and that's we probably are. particularly important. Yes, because you know I'm coming from traditional places. We don't have traditional ground rules, and we have to be able to move and. And even when we're recruiting, I have, I'm have i very clear in saying, if you want something that's really set, this might be frustrating for you. Yeah. Because we have to be able to move along and you have to be able to be flexible. And um, and sometimes we have to work late hours or the weekends and sometimes we'll have off. So we have to be able to to maneuver through those differences. So. Well, if if you're, you know, working to try to build a team with an innovative mindset that's going to build something unique, yes. um, then, I mean, I think being in Benville is a great place yes. to be. I, I feel like it um, just encourages that innovative thinking. I think so, too. I mean, it's really, um, it's just an incredible place to be. And I have a lot of friends. You know, I left New York City, but I was born and raised in Alabama, so... Mm-hmm. When I came and even interviewed for this position, landing at the airport, it felt like home because it felt like Montgomery. And I think the people are so, like, not only kind, they're kind and generous and intelligent and helpful. And so it's a really great community. I I feel like it makes our other work easier because we're not struggling to get through all the other pieces, you know, of, of egos or... Yeah, everybody wants to help each other. So I, I really enjoy that piece. I enjoy that about this community yes, as well. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you find easy connectivity. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned being a collaborative leader, and this yeah. is a collaborative place. It really is. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just saw that recent Wall Street Journal article. All my friends were sending this to me about, you know, focusing on this gem that we have in the Ozarks and they're all curious now. They're like, well, so you haven't been calling us and you haven't come back to New York to visit. So I don't have a need to, I'm having a great time here. So they're all coming to visit now and it's really nice. It's really nice. Yes. Yes. Well, let me maybe close with, with this question. Uh, so, you know, I, I always end with something focused on yeah. our students and, you know, we have about, uh, 8,000, between 8,500 and 9,000 students in the College of Business. Uh, Probably about 8,000 of those are undergraduate students. So, you know, if you can put yourself back in the shoes of that 21, 22-year-old, really about to enter the workforce, you know, Mm -hmm. full-time at least for probably the first time. Yes. And know what you now know about whole health. Um, what advice would you give? Because I think it's probably going to apply to me just like it does. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we can all take in more yeah. advice, right? Um, so I have a niece who's actually a second year, uh, a sophomore in college. And so I talk to her quite often. And it's it's because I'm always trying to understand where what's her point of view, how she's dealing with college. And my advice would be that always remain curious and the whole health piece, it starts early on and taking care of yourself so you can take care of others, whether or not it's your friends or your colleagues or going out into the workforce, knowing how to 
really look inwardly. What do you need? Take care of yourself. You're going to be better equipped of moving forward and helping the community. Um, and I think that's just being curious as to how that changes. Because what you are at 20 will be different when you're 30. Being in tune and being curious about it and always learning. I think those are a lot of things that I, I still do of just, even when moving here, right? It's a different change for me mm -hmm. and just understanding what, what I need um, and learning about what I need. I think it's a lifelong habit. Well, I was just about to use that word. I, I think, uh, you know, lifelong learner. Yes. Uh, you know, you're someone that uh, has been agile throughout their career yeah. and, and just a, a, a curiosity. Yes. So I'm so excited that you've brought all of those characteristics oh, to Northwest Arkansas and can't wait to see the impact that you're going to have through the Alamo Walton School of Medicine. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to working with you and your teams to helping our, our faculty grow as leaders. I think we have a gem having you and your school here. So thank you for that. On behalf of the Walton College, thank you for joining us for this captivating conversation. To stay connected and never miss an episode, simply search for Be Epic on your preferred podcast service.